Welcome to Talking Tourism. This is our Tourism Champion Tales series. We showcase some amazing tourism champions who've made their mark on the tourism industry. Be inspired, awed and intrigued at their stories. And now, on to today's show. Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism. I am today's host, Rachel Williams. Now, every fortnight, the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, which is, of course, the peak body for tourism operators in the beautiful state of Tasmania, will be bringing you conversations with the brightest minds in the tourism industry. And today, we're very lucky to have with us a man who is deemed a tourism champion. He's from Calypso Star Charters in South Australia, Welcome, Andrew Wright. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you very much for having me here oh. in uh, sunny Launceston. Our absolute pleasure. Now, of course, all of the information that our podcasts gather does go right across Australia. So if you are listening outside of Tasmania, I'm sure we'll have some relevant information for your tourism business wherever you are based. Now, Calypso Star Charters, it's all about sea lions and shark diving. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, look, we uh, we operate uh, yeah both those tours. Uh, the the primary focus of our business is the uh, shark cage diving. Um, shark diving in South Australia has been operational since basically the end of the nineteen sixties. Uh, a lot of people forget that it's been around for so long, and it's it's quite a remarkable feat that uh, that a nature based experience has been operational for uh, for that long. Um, but look, I uh, I got into the business in yeah in two thousand and two. And, uh, you know, since then there's been a lot of changes. But, but primarily our, our focus is on taking people out on a, on a one-day tour to cage dive with great white sharks. Uh, yeah. Sounds a bit scary for me. <laughs> oh, look, no, there's uh, there, there's nothing to be scared of. And, and, I mean, we get people from all walks of life and, and a lot of our guests have never dived before. But, you know, if, if people are just a little bit ambitious they're uh, they're able to do it and and it's something that uh, that yeah most people are able to master pretty quickly. Okay, so. now tell me, when did your fascination with sharks begin? Was it something that you developed a love for when you were a little child or like the kids of today listening to this baby shark song, they're all interested in sharks at the moment? Oh, don't remind me about that song. <laughs> it's so, annoying, uh, isn't it? Um, I can't get out of my head now. Um, look, no, I I actually didn't get into the into shark diving for shark diving. I mean, a, a lot of our guests uh, certainly have had that fascination with sharks for literally a lifetime and and it's quite humbling when we're able to fulfill people's dreams like that but look I I grew up in the north of western australia up in a little place called Kununurra quite yeah tourism's quite important uh, to Kununurra and uh, I look I I went overseas for 12 months I was an exchange student in Finland of all places uh, quite quite the contrast from the uh, hot and sunny weather in Kununurra but uh, I I went to Port Lincoln to find work on a boat because I wanted to get my my master's ticket to drive mum and dad's boat on the on the Ord River and uh, I guess that was the plan and you know the best laid plans are always subject to change um, so mum and dad sold their boat about 15 years ago I've only been back there for a couple of holidays um, and and look Port Lincoln's now home so I mean I you know when I first arrived I literally didn't know anyone in town and asked a lot of people for a job uh, to you know to, to get that sea time to, to get a ticket to end up driving a boat one day and you know one thing leads to another and then I uh, I ran into Ralph Shabaisky the, the then owner of Calypso Star Charters 
and and pretty much met him one day and started work for him the next, and and the rest, as they say, is history. And so he'd started this business as basically a hobby back in the the early nineteen nineties, and then you decided uh, to work for him and, and did a few years, and then you decided to buy into the business. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, Rolf was an electrician by trade, and and originally got into the to the charter scene uh, back in the days when when great whites were. Uh, weren't protected. You know, the, he, he originally offered, uh, you know, actual fishing charters for Great Whites. But, uh, yeah, I guess in, well, in 1990, he started the business as a, as a bit of a you know, sideline to his electrical business and, uh, and and gradually got a bit busier. Uh, white sharks, of course, were protected in 1997. And so then Rolf quickly turned his attention from, from fishing for, uh, you know, for sharks, now a protected species, to, to cage diving with them. And, uh, I mean, he, he wasn't the original cage diver. I mean, I guess you've, you've got to credit the likes of Rodney Fox and Ron and Valerie Taylor for, for kicking off cage diving, well, not only in Australia, but I guess worldwide, really. And, uh, and, and yeah, so Rolf, you know, he'd only do oh, a trip here and there just, you know, when he rounded up a few people and, and he'd go out to the Neptunes for uh, sort of three or four nights at a time. And, uh, and you know, sometimes I'd see sharks, sometimes they didn't, a bit of fishing on the side. And, uh, but then, yeah, so I started work for, for him in 2002 and, uh, and then, yeah, over, over the next four years, got my sea time, got the tickets needed to, uh, to drive the, the, the boat and engineer the boat. And, uh, and then in 2006, uh, a good friend of Rolf's, uh, a, a gent by the name of Ron Forster, uh, made an approach to, to Rolf to, to buy the business and uh, and part of that was that, you know, I needed to keep my job sort of thing and, and Ron and his wife Janet, you know, to their credit, they uh, they offered me the opportunity to buy in. So, you know, I did what every 22-year-old would do and remortgage their house and live on the boat for a few years and, and bought into the business. And now it's up to welcoming nearly at 75,000 75,000 yeah, we'll, customer well, yeah, in, the, I, in the coming I, future. I, I guess we should uh, work work that out. We uh, we had our 50,000th guest, I think it was about three years ago, and annual passenger numbers for the shark dives are about 7,500 a year. Uh, a couple of thousand people do our, our sea lion tours, uh, just a half-day tour. Uh, so, yeah, look, we'd be getting close to, to 75,000. Now, I want to uh, ask you, you just said um, guest, and I, I said customer. What's the difference? Oh look, I I always you know stress to my team that uh, you know Woolworths has customers and and we have guests sort of thing. So I th- I think it's just a bit more of a a, a personal sort of term. I th- I think it's a bit more welcoming and inviting to you know refer to the people that are good enough to you know fund our living. Um, that they're a guest sort of thing. They I mean yes of course they are our customer, but I think they're more than that for sure. So tell me if I ever plucked up the courage or if I lost a dare and had to um, lost a bet and had to come and step on board your charter. Run me through the experience. It must just be such an adrenaline focused thing for these people who do it for the first time. Not sure of what's going to happen. Run us through what what goes on? Well, I mean, the, the, the day starts bright and early. Um, hotel pickups, uh, you know, drop off to our office where, where I guess we throw people in the deep end. We've got a, uh, <laughs> Quite literally. You know, we've got a, a model of a shark that's literally bigger than the table that we're sitting at. You know, it's a five-metre model of a shark that, you know, people can just get straight into it and say, wow, that's that's what it is. You know, we've got wallpapers on the wall that, that actually show the experience firsthand sort of thing. So, yeah, I guess we throw people straight into the deep end. Um, Neptune Islands, now they're uh, about 40 miles uh, by boat from, from Port Lincoln, so about three hours. Uh, and they're 15 miles out into the Southern Ocean. You know, there's there's plenty of 
nicer places to go boating. But Neptune Islands is also home to about 40,000 uh, long-nosed fur seals. And, and look, that's the... I guess that's the preferred food of the of the great whites, and but it's also important to remember that none of the sharks that we see are actually resident at those islands. I mean, they can range anywhere from Rockhampton up in Queensland to uh, the Ningaloo Reef over in Western Australia. So it is a very unique spot in that, you know, basically eighty five percent of the time that we go to the Neptunes, we we see one or more great whites. So it's a you know it's a pretty special spot in the world that it's uh, produces you know, this charismatic megafauna um, so consistently. Um, so on, on the way out, you know, our crew are on hand to, you know, point out the sites and have breakfast on board and, and most coffee people and nervous? all of that. Oh, look, I, I don't know about nervous. I mean, I, I think most people are probably nervous uh, for the fact that, that they might have come all this way and, and nature didn't get the memo and, and, and forgets to turn up sort of thing. I think that's probably where most people's nerves come from because um, the, the actual dive itself, I, you know, I'm, right, I'm, I'm probably a bit biased and I've done it you know, a couple of thousand times, but it's not something that is, that is scary and it, it, it's quite... I don't know, it's quite peaceful, it's quite mesmerising really and, and we certainly find that when our guests get out of the water. It's, you know, like their their expression's not one of, of terror or fear or anything like that. It, it's no, just they've left a, that down in the water, <laughs> haven't they? <laughs> well, hopefully they didn't leave it in their wetsuit but, uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so, look, it's, it, it, is, it is humbling to see people's expression when they get out of the water and as I said earlier for a lot of people it is a lifelong dream you know they've traveled from the other side of the planet to uh, to fulfill this um, so but yeah look it, it, it's not scary it, it's just mesmerizing and I don't know I think you've, you've just got to do it to, to really appreciate it. Yeah well some of the descriptions are adrenaline junkies and then it's the wow moment is that how you would describe it? Well, look, no, and and I think that that's something that as a business we've probably tried pretty hard over the last you know ten years, I guess, to not so much to you know not not to dumb it down, not at all, but but it, but it's to it it's to show the sharks for what they really are, not what people stereotypically think they are, sort of thing. You know, I mean, unfortunately. And 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 yes, despite they have these, a bad rap, don't oh, they? they they do have a bad rap, and all these you know documentaries and uh, you know various uh, pay TV channels and that you know they, they they come out and they want to produce these documentaries that they'll literally spend weeks to film, and and all it is is bite 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 slow mo of this slow mo of that bite bite bite, and 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 people unfortunately get on the boat and they think that that's what's going to happen, sort of thing, and and I mean I liken to liken it to you know, going on a safari and, you know, everyone wants to see a lion and everyone wants to see it chased down and, you know, kill something. But at the end of the day, a lion spends a lot of its time sitting under a tree, sleeping, you know, resting. And and I guess a shark does the same thing in that a lot of their day is just swimming around, you know, where I, I guess they're as interested in us as, as we are of them. And it's it's really only those those few split seconds when they decide, right, I want that bait, that they'll go for it sort of thing. So, so yes, there can be the adrenaline for that, but it's important for us to, uh, to portray what we do in a, in a realistic sense so that people walk away – well, no, they, they come, come on board with an expectation that we can not only meet but exceed sort of thing. So if they've come on board with this energy fueled adrenaline rush sort of thing, they're, they're on the wrong they're, boat. They're on the wrong boat. <laughs> they're, 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 yeah, they're doing the wrong thing sort yeah. of thing. But if, if they want to see 
what is a, a magnificent, you know, protected species in its in its natural environment, um, then they're on the right boat for sure. Okay, so I'd like to talk about conservation and the environment. Um, you're a member of Ecotourism Australia, and it is such a big product in in the Australian tourism market. Um, and you mentioned about bait. And I did. It would be remiss of me not to ask about you know the controversy about how you attract those sharks, so that your your customers, or sorry, your um, what I did guess. you call them, your guests, actually get to see what they're there to see. Yeah. Look, I mean, the as I said, the Neptune Islands are the largest seal colony in Australia. There's forty thousand of them, and and if those seals weren't at those islands. You know, the sharks wouldn't go there. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, we are licensed by the South Australian government. We're one of only two license holders that are actually able to use uh, like a, a fish-based attractant. Um, doesn't matter what fish it is. I mean, we, we use tuna. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the tuna migrate through the waters. There's they're something that the, that the sharks would ordinarily have the opportunity to, uh, to eat. Um, in years gone by, look, it was open slather, you know, use a horse, use a cow, you know, whatever you wanted sort of thing. But, but over time, ideas change, um, you know, people's, people's own ideals change and, and, and regulation, uh, you know, changes with it sort of thing. So, so look, I mean, yes, attracting sharks. I mean, at the end of the day, we're only attracting sharks that are there anyway. Um, if there's no sharks there, you know, 15, 15% of the time we, we don't see sharks and a lot of the time, we actually have to wait, you know, sometimes considerable length of time. You know, we could have had a good day yesterday and then turn up today and, and have to, you know, sit there and wait for a couple of hours before one turns up or, or one might turn up and swim past once and, and then nick off for an hour sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, people people have got this idea that it's, you know, get out there and tip over drumfuls of blood and, you know, turn the ocean red. And it, it's simply not that sort of thing. And it is it is very heavy, heavily regulated. I mean, down to the to the quantity of the bait that we use, all is recorded. Um, I mean, if a shark does take a bait, uh, not only is that recorded and, and, and documented, um, we then aren't actually able to put another bait in for a quarter of an hour sort of thing. And, and I mean, that's, that's, that's just regulation changing over time sort of thing and and the idea there is is that you know as an industry you want to we want to fight that um that public perception that, that negative perception i suppose that that we're somehow training sharks and and so having regulations like that is is all about strengthening that social license so that we can you know, be on the front foot, yeah, not not be on the back foot defending ourselves. We can be on the front foot saying, hey, this is how we do it. This is the only only place in the world that does it this way sort of thing. And and not only that, as I said, you know, it's been established for the best part of 50 years. And, and what it's all about is ensuring that it's going to keep going for the next 50 years. Well, have we got that balance right between the conservation and the commercial, commercialisation of tourism businesses Look, I, for I, the future? I think we do. Um, and and the South Australian government has been instrumental in that. I mean, yes, I mean regulation does bring its um, you know a level of frustration at times, sort of thing. But good businesses adapt. Yeah, you, of course, good businesses adapt, and and I mean that is that's all part of the challenge is to is to is to see these uh, you know these, these new regulations and uh, and and people's. Uh, you know the public's perception, all of that. Not to see it as a roadblock, to, but to see it as a as an opportunity of, of how to how to do it better. Because I mean, I, I guess if we're honest with ourselves, as, as frustrating as government can be, I mean they're 
their ideas and their objectives are probably the same as ours. I mean, at the end of the day, we want a sustainable business that'll uh, allow us to, you know, make a dollar and uh, and and reinvest that into into what we do, and and we want to be able to do it next year and the year after, and I want my kids to be able to do it, sort of thing, and and we want to be able to do that with the least amount of. I guess public backlash as as possible. I mean, you're always going to get your your naysayers, unfortunately. And but but we've we've often found that those that those naysayers are, are, are often, uh, I, I guess, reacting to to how they think cage diving happens, and 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 how they think it happens is probably how it happened twenty or thirty years ago. They're not, you know, like their their thoughts are. Are stuck in the past, and and everyone else and everything else has moved on from then. So, so everything has changed, and it is continuing to rapidly evolve in the tourism industry. You've you've got two kids, and you Ebony and Bradley, and you mentioned that you'd like to see the business around for them in the future. It's a it's a long way ahead, but will this business and that industry? How will that evolve over the coming Look, I don't, decades? I don't, I don't think it's that far ahead. I mean, they're uh, they're six and seven at the moment, and uh, you're ready it, for retirement. I, I think <laughs> give it ten years, they'll be uh, knocking on the door to uh, to kick me out for sure. Um, yeah, so it, it is important that we that we do everything we can to to make sure that it is is sustainable, um, and 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 continue you know continue that. I guess that proud legacy that was that was established by you know, Rodney Fox and Ron and Valerie Taylor to to ensure that 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 continues on to the next generation and the one beyond. And your business, I understand, injects millions of dollars into the local economy, Port Lincoln, um, big fishing heritage. Um, how important is it for small? I sh- can I call Port Lincoln a regional area? Yeah, absolutely. Or I'd be in trouble. Um, how important is it for areas like that to have a a key product, a key tourist facility that people flock to so that you can then have those smaller offshoots of tourism-related businesses that people then go to secondary to their, that initial big big ticket item. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, look, Port Lincoln is a, you know, a regional town. I mean, it's a population of about 15-odd thousand and, as you said, has, has rode the the commercial fishing back for a for a long time, you know. I mean, from tuna fishing to you know various aquaculture ventures of you know kingfish farming, mussel farming, um, oyster farming across in Coffin Bay, um, prawn trawling in the Gulf. There, there really is a lot of commercial fishing, but the thing with that is, is that that's that's all at the point where it's not going to grow. I mean, there there are some some value add opportunities through you know processing and, and integrating. Uh, tourism with that sort of thing um, but but it's that integration that's going to make it grow it's it's not the actual uh, the actual catch that is growing you know like the the quotas remain the same and and the price of seafood doesn't really change that much if, 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 time. <laughs> oh look I mean it, it changes retail but the you know the, the guys that that are catching it I mean they're they're getting the same amount for prawns today as they were seven or eight years ago sort of thing like that that hasn't so changed what are the them. businesses that benefit from your big business so I guess having you know having shark diving taking place only in Port Lincoln like there's one of only four or five places in the the world and 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 one of only you know, it's the only place in Australia where it's permitted to take place, 
and and we've seen we've seen other local businesses i guess piggyback off that that iconic you know appeal of shark diving i mean we've got the shark apartments i mean they're nothing to do with us but they're you know opened up just up the road from our office we've got the shark shuttle you know runs a couple of buses in from the airport and uh, and around town you've got the the, the Port Lincoln YHA, I mean, you look at their sign and it's a picture of a great white shark. And, and, and I mean, even, even, you know, the local craft brewery, the beer garden brewery, they've got their cage diver beer sort of thing. And, Sounds know, delicious. And the great white Sauvignon Blanc, which is a, a top drop. Like if you, <laughs> you know, if you ever find a bottle of it, uh, don't, uh, don't share it. So uh, just, just have it all yourself. So it is, it is good to see that, that, you know, people, I guess, yeah, jump on the, jump on the bandwagons. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, a cliche. It's, yeah, it is a bad cliche, but it's but it's it, it it's all you know. It's it's humbling for us to know that we were instrumental in establishing well in 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 bringing that to the next level that has allowed all of these other businesses to to rise up with it. Yeah. So I suppose as you know, my point being that you are deemed a tourism champion, which is you know you've won numerous awards locally and nationally. Um, your advice to other regional areas of, of businesses who are the, the big player, how important is it for them to ensure that the other smaller tourism operators, you know, get a little slice of the pie? Oh, it is it is important, absolutely. And uh, and as you said, yes, we've we've been you know quite successful at, at awards. I was you know in Launceston only a few months ago, and uh, noticed it's cooled down a little bit since uh, since we were here in February. Um, and a national award. Like a, a gold at the nationals has eluded us to date. I mean, we've you know we've got a handful of bronzes and and, and silver in uh, tourist attraction and adventure tourism, which which has been fantastic, and we'll we'll keep plugging away. To, you need to get a bit more know. of that shark cage oh, beer to the judges, oh, perhaps. Yeah, something like that. But uh, look, I mean that that is the ultimate sort of thing, and 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 we won't stop until we you know until we achieve that sort of thing. Um, so, but look, it, it it's vital that that. You know, any anyone else in in our situation, uh, I guess, looks after the little guy, remembers the little guy, because I mean, for us, a lot of our guests are FIFO. It's a derogatory term to you know, refer to your guests as FIFO tourists, but they are. They, you know, too many of them arrive tonight, dive tomorrow, leave the next day, sort of thing, and and we try really hard to to make sure that those people are. Hopefully, stay a bit longer, sort of thing. Because I mean, not only is that going to be better for the town, you know, they're doing different experiences. They're going across to what Coffin Bay to eat some oysters and 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 different things like that. But but if we can if we can get people to stay three or four days instead of one or two, it it will actually make our life easier as well. Like it'll. it'll Do you need it, more people to literally take the plunge and start up other? Tourism businesses in your area? Yeah, look, it's it is the chicken and the egg sort of thing, and and there's been some there's been some good developments over the last you know six or eight or ten years, um, but it's one of those things you you need the experiences and and the other attractions, but then you need the the visitors as well. So I think it's it's a case of you know. Yes, build it and they'll come. But but if you, if you build it, you want to make a dollar out of it too. So so we are getting there slowly, um, and and it's you know the the trend is upwards. Um, South Australia has been been very good in tourism over the last ten years. The you know tourism commission have done some you know some wonderful work as as I think tourism commissions around the country have done at, at attracting new visitors and 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 
concentrating on the on those high yielding visitors sort of thing so that we're not overrun by millions of people but we're overrun by a few people with millions sort of things so so yeah that that has been has been good but as i said if if people are coming to town staying that extra bit of time it, it ultimately will benefit us indirectly in that, you know, if, if we have to cancel a trip because the weather's bad, um, well, then we've got a little bit of flexibility to move things around. Or, you know, if people are, are coming to Port Lincoln and, and, and are only staying a day and then don't see a shark sort of thing, I mean, that happens. You know, we, we make no secret of that. But if they've if they've come and only done that, well, then their whole holiday is a is a disappointment. It's a letdown sort of thing. And and I mean, people, you know, some people are upset. Most people are disappointed. But unfortunately, it is a, a fact of life in in doing nature based tourism. But at least if people have come for three or four days, done a few other things, you know, had a round of golf, gone and eaten some oysters, and gone and done a fishing charter. If if only the shark divers let them down, like if only the sharks haven't turned up, it, 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 it's it's a, a much easier pill to swallow sort of thing because overall their holiday has been a, a success. Now just tell me, I'm tipping that you're glad you didn't stay in Finland. What were you doing there when you went off? Oh, look, I I was a exchange student when I finished high school, so I was. So you with, had lots uh, of fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I was with uh, with the Rotary program, and 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 look, I mean, I had a I had a wonderful time over there. I mean, it wasn't without its challenges. I mean, I went from Kununurra in the wet season, you know, high humidity, high thirties, low forties temperature, and I I arrived in Helsinki. Um, you know, minus 12, and I think the coldest I got was like minus 32 or minus 36 or something like that. Um, look, if if anyone's got kids around that 15, 16-year-old um, and, and they don't know what they're doing, I, you know, it is a wonderful program to be involved and, and I mean, we – we're yet to host a, a student ourselves in return. One day we will, you know, we've certainly got a, a big favour to repay. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it definitely changed my life for the better. It, you know, it, you know the, the Finns have, uh, have, have got their, uh, their famous Sisu. And, uh, and I mean, that's, it's almost their almost blind determination, I suppose, to to achieve almost at all costs. And, and I think that that's something that, you know, that I've been able to integrate into 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 my own business and, you know, there's days that you, 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 you're banging out into the rough weather or whatever and you think, well, it's for the greater good, let's just get out there and we will get there and we will find a shark sort of thing. So, so look, no, I, I, I really enjoyed my time in Finland. I, I haven't been back yet. Uh, I mean, in a few years' time I'll be 40 and uh, I guess that's probably a good time to, you know, go back and visit, take the kids. You know, they've, as I said, they're six and seven now. So probably a little bit young for a, for a big holiday like that. But, uh, but I, th- I think the time's getting close to, to go back and have a visit. I still to keep in touch with, uh, with the families that I stayed with and, uh, and you know, develop some lifelong fr- friendships, which, uh, which has been fantastic. Wonderful. Well, um, wishing you uh, all the best on your your charter journey with uh, Calypso Star Charters. May you have many more guests in the future. And uh, thank you for your time today, Andrew. No worries. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Well, that was uh, Andrew Wright. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you have got some value out of our conversation today. Um, If you enjoyed today's show, please tell your tourism colleagues to take a listen and uh, we'll see you again in a fortnight. Thank you. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. 
For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.